this morning. <clears throat> Turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 11. 1 Samuel chapter number 11. And uh, I'll not be preaching the message I thought I'd be preaching this morning. I've been working on a thought this week. I'm very burdened about, something we want to take our time with and share with our whole church as we move forward uh, in this new normal after all of the changes we have gone through together. And I told my wife this morning when she woke up about 12, 1 o'clock this morning, I am uh, in my normal routine. My normal routine is from about 10 o'clock uh, on Saturday to about 2 a.m. on Sunday morning. That's the time where just me and the Lord finished preparations for the Sunday morning service. And I don't know how we fell into that routine, or I did years ago, but it seems to be the, the best time for me to finish getting locked in. And uh, about uh, 12, 1 o'clock this morning, as I prepared, my heart began to be very burdened that I would not be preaching what I had been preparing all week. And little did I know that we'd receive the phone call that we did this morning about Brother Gene that would require us to expedite things. We begin praying about what the Lord would have us to preach, and uh, the Lord led us to a thought uh, that just uh, last month uh, we, um, we came upon in 1 Samuel chapter 11, and I was preaching out of town, and the Lord led us to this chapter uh, in a thought that I believe is very relevant for us right now, particularly in the temperament uh, that our country has. And as we face a, an election coming up very soon, I believe it's something that we need to be reminded of. And so 1 Samuel chapter 11, remain seated if you don't mind. And we're going to look down to verse number 1 and read down through about verse number uh, 3. And then we'll pray. The Bible says in verse number 1, 1 Samuel chapter number 11, Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us and we will serve thee. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may thrust out all your right eyes, and lay it for a reproach upon Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said unto him, Give us seven days respite, that we may send messengers unto all the coast of Israel. And then if there be no man to save us, we will come out to thee. Let's stop there and let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for giving us, Lord, what you'd have us to preach today. And Lord, although it's not what uh, I thought I would be preaching, I believe, and I know, Lord, you knew this is what we'd be preaching, and I pray you bless it today. I pray you'd speak to us, Lord, through your word, help us receive the message. Most importantly, Lord, help us be changed by it, Lord, for I believe, Lord, the change that we desire to see in our country must begin in the hearts of your people. And I pray we would surrender our will over to you even now to allow that to take place. Be with our hearts today, Lord, as we look forward to what you desire to do. And we do pray for the Browns this morning. Be with them in a special way in Jesus' name. Amen. As we begin looking at this chapter, I believe we look closely. Uh, we will be able to see ourselves. And this is a chapter I've preached out of many times uh, in my ministry, particularly over the past few years. There are so many nuggets in chapter number 11 that we could all glean from. Uh, as we look past uh, over the past six months that we have dwelt in this new land that we are now currently uh, learning to live in, if there's one thing that it has taught us, it's taught us how fragile our way of life is. Uh, I never would have believed that it was as fragile as it is, uh, but in just six short months, our country has been fundamentally transformed to just a mere shadow of what we used to be. Uh, now, I don't admire the devil, okay? I don't I want you to take that out of what I'm about to say. I don't admire the devil, but there are times that I am in awe of the devil at just how smart he is and how dumb we are to underestimate how smart he is. 
He has had about 6,000 years to practice his craft, and he's very good at it. And we see that so many things that are happening in our country right now were actually set in motion decades ago. Oftentimes we're very short-sighted and we think, how did this just happen in a short amount of time? But the truth is, we are now beginning to reap the crop of many seeds that were planted long before many of us were ever even born. A lot of those that are in office right now uh, in Washington, D.C., making the decisions that are steering and at least throwing gas on the fire behind many of the movements that our country is facing today, a lot of those people uh, were children when they began to become indoctrinated uh, in this liberal philosophy that now is so prevalent in our country. As we look at our country today, we see a country that is now fundamentally opposed to what we were founded upon. I mean, if you know a little bit about American history and you know what we were founded upon and who we were founded by, they were not all Christian people, but they were very Christianly minded people. Christian and Judeo-Christian principles were at the foundation of this country, and that's why it worked so well for so long. And yet now that is something we dare not even bring up. That is something we should be ashamed of. And it's just happened, really, the fruit has come to, uh, to harvest in the last six months. As we look at this fundamental transformation we see in America, what's startling is this. It did not happen by force. It's not an invading army. You would think for a country to be fundamentally transformed, there would be some massive takeover by a military might. And yet, I believe this morning, and this is what the thrust of the message will be, it wasn't the result of force. I believe it was a result of forfeiture. There was not an army that came in and demanded that we adopt these liberal philosophies that are anti-God and pro-unrighteousness and immorality. Uh, There was not a force that came in and twisted our arm to accept philosophies that are fundamentally opposed to what we were founded upon. I believe the reason we are seeing these things take place now, it's because we have forfeited what we had. Little by little, we have compromised our identity away. And I believe that's the truth. We are what we are, not because someone has made us be what we are now. It's because we have little by little compromised away who we were and what we stood upon. Reminds me of Proverbs chapter 24 where the Bible says it's a little slumber and a little sleep. And the Bible says, so shall thy poverty come, little by little. It's like the old adage of the frog being boiled alive by incremental changes in the temperature. And the truth is we have given away our country a little at a time. And it's okay to get mad. It's okay to get frustrated. It's okay to stand in opposition. But understand we had just as big a part in it as the ones who are pushing it now by what we did not do. I thought about this, and I believe it's a true statement this morning. Character cannot be taken away through conflict. Character can be given away through compromise. Think about this this morning. Character cannot be taken away. Somebody cannot take away your character. It is who you are. It's something they cannot touch. They can take away your property. They can take away your rights. But they cannot take away your character through gunpoint. This is why there are so many martyrs throughout history. They could not change or take away their character and what they stood upon. And therefore they killed them. But character can be given away through compromise. And I believe this is the story of our country today. Our character, who we are, we used to take pride in the statement that we are a melting pot. 
The only problem with a melting pot is you have no identity. If you're not careful, you'll begin relying on that, that you don't know who you are, what you stand for, or what you believe in anymore. And we see that in our country today. But even more sadly than that is we see it in our church today. The church is not sure who we are, why we are here, or what we're supposed to be doing. We don't know who we are. Why? Because little by little, we've allowed our character to be compromised away. All right? The powers of darkness cannot prevail here. Christ said that. The gates of hell will not prevail. They do not have the power to do that. But why is Satan wreaking such havoc within the church? Why is the church so hard to recognize? Why are Christians blending in so well in society? It's because we have slowly but surely, little by little, compromised away our character. It's not been taken away from us. We have given it away. We get mad at those who now run things in our country, but they're running things in our absence, to be totally honest with you. And what we're witnessing is the incremental coming of catastrophe. It's been coming little by little by little, but all the same, it is just about here. And this morning, I want to preach uh, briefly. I'm not going to try to rush the Holy Spirit, um, but we do have a hard deadline to get to the hospital today to get in to be with uh, Brother Gene and someone in his condition. I would like to spend a little bit of time with him. This morning, I want to preach on the, how catastrophe comes, how catastrophe comes. It has not been an invasion. It has been an incremental change through compromise amongst God's people. In 1 Samuel chapter number 11, we see where compromise begins and then where compromise will lead to. So let's jump into this real quickly if we could. Notice the Bible says, Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh-Gilead. Now, a little backstory. If you notice the Ammonites, we understand where the Ammonites came from. We know their backstory. They were the descendants of Ammon. Uh, They are the unruly and wild neighbor cousins of Israel. For a while they have been put down and for a while they have been kept under the thumb of ultimately God's providence. Understand that. As long as Israel is obedient to God, God works for them and God keeps keeps the lid, if you will, on those who would oppose them. But now Israel has allowed sin to enter in as always. Anytime that happens, God always found that if he just took the lid off a little bit and allowed the enemies to come in, they would always help get Israel back where they need to be. And I dare say this is what we're seeing today in our country. We've allowed wickedness and immorality to enter our country. We've got a little bit too big for our riches, and now our enemies are rising up against us. And how often do we see in Scripture it was the enemies of the people of God that God used to send the message that you're out of line? We see that so often throughout biblical history. The Bible says in verse number one, they have besieged Jabesh-Gilead. Now, this city is in desperate need of someone to come and rescue them. They do not have the manpower to overcome. And watch what takes place. The Bible says all the men of Jabesh-Gilead, the Bible says, said unto Nahash. They go out and begin to speak with the enemy who desires to destroy them. And they says, make a covenant with us and we will serve thee. Now, watch what's happening. The men of Jabesh-Gilead know that they're outnumbered and know that they do not have the strength to overcome this, uh, this besieging army, and they go out to have a compromise with them. They says, hey, we can just end this conflict if we can come up with a good compromise and everybody can go home safe, but I want, to, I want you to see this morning, and we must see not just as the church or as a country, but as our families this morning and as a Christians individually where compromise will lead. So notice number one this morning. I want you to see the covenant of common ground. 
the covenant of common ground. Look at verse 1. Make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. Now, notice what this covenant is all about. Rather than fight and risk their lives, the men of Jabesh-Gilead asked them, listen, can we make a deal with you to end the conflict? Isn't this often what we do? To be honest with you, I don't like fighting either. I've told you many times as a kid, I did not grow up fighting. It's not in my nature to want to fight people. But there are people like that. Maybe some of you are like that. You just like to scrap and you want to scrap. I never was one of those people. I always like to try to end the conflict through negotiations. But as my dad taught me in elementary school, sometimes you're just going to have to fight. But oftentimes we don't want to fight and we don't feel like fighting and being in opposition with someone else. And therefore, do you know what we have to do in order not to fight? We have to make a compromise. The men of Jabesh-Gilead simply said this, listen, it's easier to come to an agreement than go through all the trouble of fighting, which is going to cost us dearly. But here's what I want you to see right off the bat. I want you to notice who they were finding agreement with. They were seeking to make a covenant and find agreement or compromise with their sworn enemy. Those that were desiring to destroy them. Now folks, listen, I don't like to fight. Uh, Every once in a while I like to get in a good argument with my wife. She's good at it. Um, I like to argue. She's good at arguing. And there are times, I'll be honest with you, uh, we've been helping uh, uh, Brother Kyle and Miss Kristen prepare for their marriage counseling, uh, pre-marriage counseling. And uh, I told them that sometimes I'll go into an argument with my wife and I'll have such a good case. I've got her. I've got her. I'm going to win this one. And I'll come out with my tail tucked between my legs wondering what on earth happened. She just destroys me sometimes in an argument. I like it. I like a feisty woman, you know. I want her to fight back every once in a while and push back just a little bit. But sooner or later, listen, if we're going to stand on what we believe and retain the character of who we are, sooner or later you're going to have to fight. And if you don't fight, do you know who you're going to have to compromise with? Your enemy. Do you know what a compromise is? It's where you have to give up something. It's where you have to give something. amazes me. I know there are corrupt politicians on the right and the left in Washington, okay? I know there are. It's amazing to me that when the Republicans are in power, the Democrats are always screaming, listen, reach across the aisle, reach across the aisle. And then when the Democrats are in power, they're saying, not on your life. And they don't ever give, and they don't ever give. And the Republicans, listen, sometimes, listen, sometimes... In order to retain our integrity in the character of who we are, we're going to have to just fight a little bit. Or else we're going to have to make a deal with our enemy. And I promise you, anytime you make a deal with your enemy, it's going to cost you. The devil's never going to make a deal that benefits the people of God. Remember Nehemiah when Nehemiah was working on the wall? Uh, the Bible says it's Sanballat and Geshem and Tobiah. They says, why don't you come down? Why don't you come down? Now remember, when the enemy wants you to compromise... You better, listen, you better stick your nose up high in the air and sniff out that rat. Because there's a rat there. What did Nehemiah have the Holy Spirit discernment to do? He says, they sought to do me mischief. He knew that the enemy asking him to come down from the work. He says, if I come down from the work, it's going to cease. And how often when we refuse to fight and to stand for the character, by the way, that somebody fought that we have. We've inherited this country. Why? Because someone fought for it. This didn't just magically happen. It was the divine providence that brought this country into being, but it was through the blood and the sweat of those who were willing to fight for it. Now, our church is the same way. 
Christ was the first one to really fight for the church. And all down throughout history, read Fox's Book of Martyrs and see who those who fought to retain the character of the church, the true church, by the way. And we've, boy, inherited something wonderful. But the church is losing its identity. Why? Because instead of fighting, we've tried to make a covenant of common ground with our enemy. And this is why you see the church agreeing with the world more than the world's agreeing with the church. I want you to think about it. The world looks more like the church today. Do you know, why, by the way, why we're here? We are here as the people of God to be salt and light. Salt and light are both influencers. It is our responsibility and holy calling from God that we influence this world. And yet the world is influencing the church more than the church is influencing the world. Why? Because of compromise. We're compromising away our character. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 real quickly. I want to show you something. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. And I want you to look down around verse number 14. Now watch closely what Paul is telling the church at Corinth. Remember, he's writing to the church. That salt in the light of their day. Verse 14, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now watch this. This verse has often been taken out of context. Notice it says, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Or what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Now watch verse 17. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Notice he's speaking to the church. And he's telling the church, beware of yoking up with the world. Notice the different words God uses. God could have just used one one word to describe the union. But notice the words he used, be not unequally yoked. The Bible says what communion, what concord, what part, what agreement. What is the Bible trying to show us there? It's trying to show us that the church should not be compromising with the world. We are the ones to be influencing them. And yet because we don't have enough fight left in us, there's not enough scrap left in us. We would rather, I believe, listen, uh, I believe wholeheartedly with all of what you're seeing happen right now in our country, I believe it's an attempt to weary those who would stand for right. They're not going to change our minds. They know that. But they can weary you. I'm just so tired of all the conflict, and I'm just so tired of all the, uh, all the back and forth, and I just want peace again. And so I'm just willing, you know what, let them have the White House, and that way everything will settle down. And the fact is we're unwilling to fight what somebody else fought that we could have. If we're going to have the country that God desires that we have, listen, sooner or later you're going to have to fight for it. And by the way, we're too quick to pick up arms. But listen, this is God's weapon of choice. We're like, well, bless God, they better not ever come for my guns. And we get more riled up about those weapons than this weapons. We've let them take this one in wholesale slaughter. We haven't been willing to fight for this. Why? Because we come to the place where we want a covenant of common ground. We're tired of fighting. And I believe this morning the American church is facing catastrophe. Because listen close. We'd rather find common ground with the enemy than to fight the enemy. And yet why did he call this a sword? Why did he give us armor? You know over in our gym we have a, 
a raider statue. I even convinced one of the kids the other day that it's real. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's a lie. It's just a uh, amplified truth. We'll just call it that. <clears throat> and I said, man, you better be good. I said, boy, you better put those, those balls up over there. And, you know, I said, that guy over there, he's watching you. And I watched him the rest of the afternoon. He just kept looking over there, looking at that. Boy, he's got a full suit of armor. What do you do with armor? Well, that one over there is for decoration. But can I tell you, the armor of God is not for decoration. It means sooner or later you're going to have to fight. And the only alternative to the fight is to make a covenant of common ground. But understand that common ground is with our enemy. And I hate to tell you, we are doing just that today. We, we had a wonderful school year thus far. The spirit over there is amazing. Uh, it's great. I've talked to our teachers. I've not heard one complaint. Now, if you've got one teacher, if you're here this morning, don't come tell me, all right? I'd like to keep the track record going good. I haven't heard one complaint. And everybody that I've talked to said, the spirit over there is just so good this year. You know what we call our school? It's Central Baptist School. It is a Christian school. We have about 100 students over there. We could be a lot bigger. We could have a lot more people. You know what we have to do? It's compromise our character. And say, you know what? We're going, to lessen, we're going to loosen our standards just a little bit. We're going to relax things just a little bit. Listen, to be a little bit more uh, in common with the world that's out there, you know, there's a reason we call it a Christian school. It's a Christ-like school. And it's supposed to be a Christ-like school. And if we're not going to have a Christ-like school, then we don't have any school whatsoever at all. We don't need to be seeking how we can be like them. We need to be training young people out there who can go out there in that world and influence the others. And yet we don't have the belly to fight. And we find that covenant of common ground. I think about the raising that I had as a young man. I'm thankful to have my mom and dad here serving with us at Central Special Thing. You know those desires of your heart. I, I believe that God gives you those. What a privilege it is to serve alongside of my mom and my dad. I've told you this many times, but I've never forgot it. I'm 40 years old, and I still think about it just about every time I walk out the door, and I share with my daughter the same thing now. She walks out the door, and I'll say, remember who you are and what you are. Mom and Dad were always reminding me of my character. Do you know why? Because I know this world is going to challenge your character. And either you're going to fight to remain who you are and where you stand, or you're going to find common ground. And I fear this morning too many would rather find common ground with the world than to stand their ground with God. So number one, notice how catastrophe comes. It comes little by little by beginning making covenants of common ground. But notice something the Bible shows us in the fine print. The Bible says in Nahash, or at the end of verse number one, Nahash, uh, Jabesh said unto Nahash, make a covenant with us and we will serve thee. Now be careful this morning. You know, fine print's important. Fine print is very important. I have gotten snookered several times because I did not read the fine print, i.e. timeshares. You walk through the mall, and they have those nice four-by-fours, you know, those dune buggies, all that. And so enter to win. I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to enter to win. I'm going to say a prayer when I drop this in the box. But if you'll just flip that thing over. Oh, there's some, I don't even know what font it is. It has to be one or two. It's so small. You'd have to have a magnifying glass to read it. But what you're agreeing to when you sign your name to that is that some lovely gentleman wants to call you and share with you the joys of owning a timeshare. And oh, how faithful he is to call you. So faithful. And he's going to call you until finally, you know what? You you feel like quit fighting. Okay, I'll meet you in Bermuda. Just leave me alone. There's fine print. There's some conditions in here. Notice, if you will, the condition, number two, in coming to terms. 
The condition was when you make a covenant with the enemy of your character, rather than fight for it, the covenant is you will serve them. Very important principle you need to hear this morning. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, you need to understand this. Compromise yields control. Compromise yields control. You know, for so long the church has not wanted to fight the powers of darkness that are marching across this land. We've not wanted to fight. So watch this. In compromising to them and bringing their philosophies within to the church, do you know what we have slowly done? Yielded control. A lot of our churches today, they look like clubs. Like a performance is taking place. They look like, you know, you just walk out of a concert right in the church and you can't tell the difference anymore. Why? Because rather than fight, we have compromised. And now, guess what? That's what controls our church today, the philosophies of the world. He says, if you'll make a covenant with us, we will serve thee. Romans 6.16, what does it say? Listen closely. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are. It seems like if I just give in, if we just give in our character, if we just give in for the sake of common ground, that hey, you know what? We'll have a better relationship and then I will be able to win them to Christ. No, if you give in, they've already won you. And now the Bible says you're yielding yourself servants to obey. You look at what's happening in our country today. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. I mean, I do. I love watching people that are good at what they do. I don't care if you're a plumber, electrician, basketball player. I love watching people that are good at what they do. My wife, for a while there, she wanted to go in this, this cake decorating thing where she, she took these classes and started decorating cakes. And I just sit there and watch my wife decorate these cakes. Just amazing. Kind of like an art form. I love watching Brother Dom Beck with his chalk art. It's a, I have no talent like that whatsoever. I can draw stick people, and I can draw geometric shapes. I can't even draw a good circle half the time. And it's just amazing watching people that are good at what they do. And I have sat back in awe watching at what Satan has done in six short months. And I think to myself, you know, seeds take a while to germinate, don't they? You don't just plant a seed and immediately you have the fruit from it. No, you plant a seed way before, and you're planning on having fruit later. And I see all the fruit that's popping up all over our country, immoral fruit, vile fruit, wicked fruit. And I'm thinking to myself, he planted this years ago. Maybe it was back in the 60s when prayer and Bible were kicked out of school. These seeds were sown. And you're seeing what's happening. And watch this. You see who's running America today. You know who the people that are running to America today are? They're people that we have yielded control to through years of compromise. The church has reached across the aisle one too many times. They said, you know what? We don't agree with that, but you know what? If it'll make you like us more, then hey, you know what? We're tired of fighting. Let's reach across the aisle. And the church has reached and reached and reached. And now what has happened? We've made a covenant. And now we serve them. Now we serve them. Understand that this morning. There's a condition when you come to terms. Psalms 106.35, I've read this verse so many times. Of, oh, it really spells out for the Christian what happens. Well, the Bible talks about the children of Israel, and they did not uh, dispel those or destroy those who were in the promised land. The Bible says they were mingled among the heathen. 
Listen, they were not, you know, fellowshipping with them, if you will, and adopting their lifestyle. They were just mingling with them, reaching across the aisle. You know what? Let's just have a covenant. And the Bible says they learned their works, and they serve their gods. Look what's happening. Israel, listen, is not converting the heathen. The heathen are converting Israel. This is what's happening in America. This is what's happening in the church. We just keep reaching across the aisle, and then once again, the heathen win. Plato said this, and I don't often quote Plato, but a good quote is a good quote. One penalty of refusing to participate in politics is to be ruled by your inferiors. Did you hear that? One penalty of refusing to participate in politics is to be ruled by your inferiors. Do you know the powers of darkness are inferior to the powers of light? You know that the army of God is far superior to the armies of darkness that are in our world today, and yet it seems like the armies of darkness are ruling the armies of light. Why? Because we've refused to participate. They showed up, and we didn't. I want you to understand this morning, Satan will never make a deal with your best interest in mind. When you make a deal with the devil, understand it's always going to benefit him. I'm one of those people who buy Buy high and sell low. Anybody else like that? Gosh. There's some of those people. Um, your brother's one of them. He just, he stumbles upon deals everywhere. Somebody said once, your dad said about your brother. He said he could be walking through a cow pasture and kick over a cow pie and find a $5 bill. And I just about believe it. He's just a deal kind of guy. He can find those deals. I mean, look, <clears throat> 10 of us or 7 of us went to Colorado on an elk hunt. There were no elk, no elk whatsoever in the woods. We saw one the entire trip. And I'm sitting up on a hill, and all of a sudden I hear, pow! And I'm texting, who is that? Who is that? Who shot? What did you shoot at? I figured somebody just got bored and shot at a crow. There were no elk out there. It was Thomas, his brother. I said, what are you shooting at? He says, a, a bull elk. I says, quit lying. They're not here. The migration hasn't started. He says, no, it's a, it's a six by seven. I said, I said, shut up, you're lying. Sure enough, we walk over there, and there he is. He's sitting there. Big old bull elk. Nobody else saw anything, and he killed a, an elk of a lifetime that was there. He just always stumbles across those deals. I mean, he's good at it. I don't know. He must walk with God. That's probably what it is. He just walks with God. Folks, can I tell you something? We're not just going to stumble upon the church that we need to be. You're going to have to fight for it. We're not just going to stumble upon America becoming who America needs to be. You're going to have to fight for it. That's why we got it in the first place. And yet we want to make a deal with our sworn enemy whose desire is to steal, to kill, and destroy. It's in the Word of God. And yet we compromise our character not knowing the terms of the deal. Remember one of our bus kids, the temple kids. Les and I picked them up for church one day on a Sunday night, and they were not ready. And uh, on a Sunday morning, but they were on Sunday night. I said, hey, guys, where were you at this morning? They said, oh, we were at our aunt so-and-so's. I said, what are you doing at aunt so-and-so's? It's Sunday. You're supposed to be in church. They said, well, mom and dad didn't get in from the casinos until late. I said, what were they doing down there? They said, winning money. I said, you know, casinos don't stay open by giving away money. I don't know if you know that, but that's the truth. It's not in their benefit to give away money. It's their benefit to take money. And every person, I know none of you go down there, but every person that goes down there, listen, is going down there for their benefit, not for yours. It's the same as making a deal with the devil. 
You make a deal with him, a covenant with him, you compromise your character. You have now given it up on the condition that you will serve him. The last thing I want you to see is the most important. Look at verse 2. Nahash the Ammonite answered them, on this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for a reproach upon all Israel. Now, things just got serious. I mean, here they are. They walk out. I kind of feel like they had a white flag. Hey, can we talk? And they go out there. Hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just talk about this. You know, let's just, hey, let's calm down. You know, let's may have some food. Let's meet over some food. That's always a good thing, just to sit and let's eat and let's talk about this. And he says, listen, we'll make a covenant with you. We'll say, okay, okay, here's the conditions. We're going to poke out your right eyeball. I mean, it got serious very fast. They desire to have a compromise where they don't have to fight. But notice the third thing. Notice the cost to come together. But you notice the cost to come together. Peace with Satan always comes with a price. I'll be honest with you. I get tired of the devil. I do. He's so obnoxious. You ever been trying to pray? Kneel down to pray? And the devil harass you while you're praying? I just don't understand that. I mean, I think sometimes the devil harasses me in my dreams. He makes me mad at some of you in my dream. I, I don't want to be mad at them. They're such nice people. He never leaves me alone. It's like one of those fruit flies, you know, those gnats. You never can kill them. Just everywhere. Annoying. And you just want some peace. Leave me alone. Understand this. The only peace you're going to get from Satan will come with a price. You better understand the conditions of what's going to come with that. And notice what those conditions were, that I may thrust out all your right eyes. I preached the message out of this one time years ago. And the message was entitled, Turning a Blind Eye. I don't know if this is where the phrase came from, but boy, it would be very fitting. I'll leave you alone. We'll go away. There's going to be no fight, no bloodshed. All you have to do is turn a blind eye. And is that not where we are at today? The church has been turning a blind eye for decades. Just so that we can have peace. And yet now, our chickens are coming home to roost. And we're thinking, wait a minute, I, I, I didn't sign up for all of this. This, this uh, what's going on in our country, wait a minute, you know what, I think this is too much. But the problem is, we've already signed on the dotted line. We've compromised our character away, and the only answer now is going to be near about a revolution to turn this thing back. The cost to come together was greater than they would desire to give, but that's the price of peace with your enemy. We think about it real quickly, that came this morning. Cain, we know in disobedience to God, decided to take his chances on the consequences of doing things his way other than God's way. And what did Cain say? It's more than I can bear. I didn't realize it. He didn't realize the cost that was going to come with it was more than he can bear. Remember when Judas threw the money back, Judas wanted a refund. Judas says, listen to me, I, I thought this was going to be worth it, but wait a minute, you ripped me off. And Judas throws the money back and they laughed at him. He realized the cost to come together and to find agreement with your enemy is more than you could pay for. Now, why did they ask for the right eye? Real quickly. Why did they ask for the right eye? What the enemy was doing was seeking to render them ineffective in battle. 
Now look, if you only have one eye, or maybe even some that are blind, it doesn't mean you can't do uh, anything, but it does mean you are not what you could be. And it means in battle, you're not going to be as effective as you could be in battle. So it says, you know what, instead of killing you, let's just strip you of your ability to fight valiantly and to win victory. And that's the cost of compromise. The cost of compromise is to be rendered ineffective. You see, when we compromise in sin, you know what we've done? We've made the vessel dirty. The devil says, you know what, listen, why don't you just compromise and do this and give in to this and give in to that. And we give in and we become a marred vessel, a vessel that cannot be used of God. And what have we done? We have compromised or we've given in and we're no longer effective to be used by God. Folks, the Bible says they wanted to poke out their right eye to render them ineffective in battle. And that's the Satan's plan today. Just compromise. Just give in. And we have, by the way. This is why the church is a mere shadow of what we used to be. I mean, you know, the powers of darkness, I believe, at one point feared the church. I really do. I I love reading about great men of God that were used of God. Normal men, but men who surrendered fully to God and were used of God in a mighty way. One of those I've read about many times is R.A. Torrey. One of the stories that sticks out of my mind is as he was doing a campaign up in the northeast, Philadelphia, uh, he walked through a a steel mill. And the Bible, uh, the Bible, the story says that as he walked through, men began to fall on their knees and, and begged him to share with them how to be saved by the power of God on his life. When they would have crusades where D.L. Moody would preach or Billy Sunday would preach, even the taverns would close down. The church had such great influence, God working through his people, and now they don't even bat an eye at us anymore. As a matter of fact, there's even some Baptist churches that are debating over whether or not alcohol is even sinful anymore. What's happened? We've compromised our character away because we did not want the conflict. We don't want to argue. We don't want to fight. And now we've been rendered powerless, ineffective in battle. This is what they want. Let's thrust out all of your right eyes and lay it for a reproach upon you. And today our ineffectiveness, can I tell you, that's exactly what it is. What did Nehemiah say when he asked his brethren how things were back in Jerusalem? They says, the wall is broken down, the gates are burned with fire, and we are a what? A reproach. What happened? They compromised their character away. When walls are broken down, that city is now powerless. It is defenseless. Why? Because that's the cost of coming together. We'll say this and we're going to be done. Satan will always seek out our source of strength. Okay? Understand that. Satan's desire, listen, Satan's desire, he doesn't have to kill you physically. He's just trying to destroy you spiritually. Because he cannot afford a powerful church. That's the greatest threat to him and his agenda. By the way, it's the same for America today. What America needs more than anything is a powerful church again. I promise you, you watch the economics. They will fall in place when the church regains the power and influence that we once had. But Satan seeks the source of our strength. And you know what that strength was? The source of our strength was our relationship with God and our walk with him. The Bible says, the wicked flee when no man pursueth. Someone said that's a great verse for why you should not jog and exercise. Don't run unless something's chasing you. Some of you are getting it. Some of you will get it when you get home. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And oh, we're a far cry from that today. You know why? 
because we're not righteous. We're not righteous. We're running from an enemy that's less powerful than we are because Satan found the source of our strength. It was in our righteousness, and yet, instead of fighting for it, we compromised our character away by one at a time turning a blind eye. I see it happening in our homes with our dads. Dads, I love you this morning. I really do. But I've watched our dads turn blind eyes to things. I love talking to dads when before they have children or when they have small children. Oh, they got resolve in them. Man, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to raise this child right. I'm going to do right by this child. And the boys better watch out. Boys come around here. I'm going to clean my shotgun. All these things. And then she turns 13 or 14. And that resolve melts out the window with just a few puppy dog eyes and pouty lips. We turn a blind eye and our children pay for it. Our children are paying for what we turned a blind eye to. Our homes are paying for it. Our churches are paying for it. Why? Because we don't want to fight. Because God forbid we lose people. Now, folks, I don't want to lose anybody at Central Baptist Church. But you know there are times it's okay to lose the right people. The Bible says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? And we sought agreement with the world, and it's cost us our power. I believe if God could take 12 and shake the known world and turn it upside down, I believe we'll be left with more than 12, but we're going to have to be willing to be righteous and to be right and to retain the character who of God says that we are. I think I've told you this story. I'll say this and I'm done. I promise I'm done this time. There was this pig rooting around an oak tree one day eating up acorns, and the crow lands in the tree and looks down at the pig and says, if you keep rooting up around the tree, you're going to destroy the roots and kill the tree. The pig looks up at the crow and he says, I don't care about the roots. All I'm interested in is the acorns. Slowly but surely, the pig killed the tree and cost him the acorns. For a while here in the church, I'm not talking about our church necessarily in general, but the church in America in general, we have not cared about the source of where our blessings have come from. And we've consumed them on our own lust of what we desired and what we wanted to be in agreement with the world, that we might fit in with the world, and we've slowly but surely killed the oak tree. We've slowly but surely turned from the source of our blessings and our power. And that's why we're ineffective today. And the catastrophe that is coming as a tidal wave, I mean, I believe we're staring at it this morning. I don't know that it's fallen yet, but we're staring at it. It's come little by little, compromise by compromise, making a covenant in agreement with the world, compromising our character away, and yet not realizing the cost was going to be our effectiveness. That's why Hebrews chapter 2, the Bible says we should give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest at any time we should what? Let them slip. The devil's winning this game of tug of war. We're letting the rope slip right through our hands. And boy, you don't have to look back very far to see the end of the rope. It's just about here. We've about let it slip away. This wonderful country to an inferior force. Not by force, but by forfeiture. You say, well, what's the message this morning? It's simply this. This interruption in our lives that I haven't liked and you haven't liked either. This disruption of our church services and all of these things. If it's done one thing for us, I hope it's startled us a little bit to realize how close to catastrophe we are. And if we don't clamp down on that rope sooner or later, we're going to let it all slip away one compromise at a time. So here's the message, simply this. I think every one of us needs to reflect upon our heart and our home and see areas that we've let slip 
Because catastrophe's coming one compromise at a time. And listen, it may mean you have to fight. You may have to fight with your spouse every once in a while. We gotta get things right in this house. We gotta get things right in our home. You may have to, God forbid, fight with your kids a little bit. You may have to put up with some whining. The Bible says, spare not. You may have to put up with that a little bit. Why? To hold the line. Or for too long, we're going to let this thing all slip away one compromise at a time. And that's exactly how catastrophe is coming. That's how it's here today. So our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Our pianist comes. Our heads bowed and our eyes are closed. The Bible says a little sleep. Oh, we've been asleep at the wheel. A little slumber. We've dozed off spiritually. And all the while, that rope is slipping between our fingers. The devil's winning. This game of tug of war and the cost is going to be catastrophic.